0: Measuring Cancer Evolution from Genome Graham and Sartoriva, Queen Mary University of London, the Institute of Cancer Research, UK Journal of Pathology, 2017 Abstract The temporal dynamics of cancer evolution remain elusive because it is impractical to longitudinally observe cancers unperturbed by treatment. Consequently, our knowledge of how cancers grow largely diverges from inferences made from a single point in time, the end point in the cancer's evolution, when it's removed from the body and studied in the laboratory. Fortuitously, however, the cancer genome, by virtue of ongoing mutations that uniquely mark clonal lineages within the tumour, provide a rich yet surreptitious record of cancer development in this review, we describe how a cancer's genome can be analysed to reveal the temporary history of mutation and selection, and discuss why both selective and neutral evolution feature prominently in cancer We argue that selection in cancer can only be properly studied once we have some understanding of what the absence of selection looks like. We review the data describing punctuated evolution in cancer and reason that punctuated phenotype evolution is consistent with both gradual and punctuated genome evolution. We conclude that to map and predict evolutionary trajectories during cancerogenesis, it is critical to better understand the relationship between genotype change and phenotype change. Introduction. How do cancers grow? The basic question continues to be difficult to answer, for the obvious reason that longitudinal observation of tumour growth is nearly always impractical, both in humans and in model systems. Consequently, our understanding of tumour formation relies on historical inference based on the composition of excited tumours. In other words, our understanding of the temporal process of tumour evolution is largely derived from data collected at a single time point. The time point at the end of the process when the tumour ends up on the spacement table. However, this state of affairs is not as sorry as it may sound as, fortunately, the tumour genome or, more accurately, the genomes of all the cells in the tumour provide a surreptitious but rich record of a tumor's growth. Each time that a cell divides errors during DNA replication mean that the new mutations are introduced into the genomes of the daughter cells. Epigenetic marks, for example DNA methylation, are also copied with limited fidelity large-scale chromosomal or part-chromosome losses or amplifications somatic copy numbers alterations scna and other structural rearrangements also occur at an appreciable frequency in many cancers it is these naturally occurring epigenetic alterations that record the ancestry of the cells in the tumor and because tumors are clonally derived all of the cells in the tumor will the mutations in the first cancer cells whereas later rising subclones are identifiable by their sharing of a particular unique set of variants therefore the order of clone development can be inferred by comparing the sets of mutations present in different cells of the tumor the logic of this kind of analysis is at the heart of a phylo- genetics methods as applied to cancer. Moreover, if a particular type of mutation occurs at a constant rate, for example, the same number of new mutations are introduced in each cell division. This appears to be the case for C-T transitions within specific three base pair motifs. Then counting the number of mutations of the type that are unique to a particular lineage gives an estimate of the relative time that the lineage arose. A constant mutation rate is referred to as a molecular clock and if the rate at which the molecular clock ticks is known, then the absolute time of events where the time is measured in cell division elapses can also be determined. These methods have been applied to a wide variety of cancers and have provided new insights into the order and timing of mutation accumulations. However, mutation is not the only force shaping the cancer genome. Evolutionary selection also plays a critical role. Selection refers to the situation where one group of cells within the tumor is evolutionary favorite of another, such that the favorite cells have more offspring than the not favorite cells The following is a result of the cell evolving a new phenotypic trait that gives it an advantage in the current microenvironment of the tumour. The trait is referred to as adaptive. For example, a cell with a low metabolic demand might grow faster than a cell with a high metabolic demand when both cells are together in a nutrient-poor microenvironment. The result of selection is that any mutation in the selected, favored population becomes more common in the tumor population as a whole, whereas negatively selected clones, not favored, become relatively less common. Consequently, selection plays a central role in shaping the frequency distribution of mutations within a tumor. To understand how a tumor has grown from its genome, We therefore need to understand both mutation and selection and critically how these two processes together shape the pattern and frequency of mutations in the genome. Mutation and selection are deeply intertwined. As a new mutation may produce a new adaptive trait and therefore drive selection. And conversely, a new microenvironmental selective pressure such as target therapy may mean that a pre-existing mutation becomes adaptive and so increases in frequency. In general, mutation is considered to be a random process. Any mutation may occur at any time with some low and or fluctuating probability, whereas selection is non-random. Only particular mutations are adaptive in a given context. For example, loss of normal function of the APC gene provides a clear selective advantage to cells in the intestine, but not, say, to those in the lung. even though presumably APC mutation occurs at comparable rates in both tissues. Thus, the frequency at which particular mutations are observed across a tumor is a function both of the rate at which the mutations occur and of the likelihood the mutation has of being adaptive and driving clonal expansion to a detectable level. Tissue architecture, which we can broadly think of as the mechanical microenvironment, provides additional selective constraints on tumour evolution. Many epithelia have granular architecture, for example the crypts in the colon and ducts in the prostate and breast, and it is the abnormal growth of these glands rather than the cells within them as such that underlies neoplastic growth. Thus, cancer development requires evolution at multiple levels in epithelial tissues. In the example of the colon, first a mutated cell must repopulate the crypt, and then the mutated crypt itself must divide to form a gradual adenoma. Computational modeling suggests that these tissue architectures have, at least in part, evolved to suppress clonal evolution. Tissue architecture means that in solid tumors, clonal expansion are specially delineated, so that the indicators of mutation and selection within the genome are likely to show intratumor heterogeneity. It is clear that cancer formation requires the acquisition of a number of key driver alterations, mutations and epigenetic changes in cancer cells. The precise number of drivers per cancer is uncertain and indeed, given the inherently contextual nature of selection, a comprehensive list of cancer-specific drivers is unlikely to exist in reality. It serves our purposes here to think of driver mutations. As mutations they are positively selected in the changing microenvironmental context within the tumor. A central question in tumor evolution is what is the temper pattern of driver's alteration acquisition? The competing theories are gradualism and punctuation. The gradualist theory proposed that cancer evolution happens via steady accumulation of driver mutations and a concomitant steady series of selective clonal outgrowth, whereas the punctuated theory proposed that the evolution of cancer occurs in fits and starts. In this review, we address how mutation and selection together shape the cancer genome with particular reference to the manifestations of graduated and punctuated evolution. Detecting selection and neutrality from the cancer genome. Clonal selection, whatever the biological mechanism driving it, ultimately results in the relative outgrowth of the selected clone within the tumor. The clonal outgrowth appears in the cancer genome by an overrepresentation of the mutations in the selected clone as compared with the null case where the genome evolved in the absence of selection. In principle, then detecting selection just requires spotting the characteristic clonal outgrowth. And many different bioinformatics tools have been developed to spot the clusters of mutations at similar frequency in human next generation sequencing data. That are characteristics of these outgrowths. It is important to note here that the evolutionary dynamics of the selected clone are largely revealed by the passenger mutations in their clone not the drivers themselves. As the selected clone grows, all of the many passenger mutations in the clone are carried along to higher frequency, making the selected clone visible against the milieu of unselected mutations in the tumour. Therefore, both driver and passenger mutations in the clone are affected by selection, but passenger mutations are generally more informative, as they are more numerous. This is just because its evolution is a blind force. For every successful driven mutation, many unsuccessful mutations have occurred in the a genome as large as the human one. Moreover, this means that clonal selection is always visible in the frequency distribution of mutations in cancer, irrespective of the biological mechanisms that provide the selective advantage for example, suppose that rather than acquiring a new driver mutation a clone gains a selective advantage because of a sudden change in microenvironmental context, such as a new non-cell autonomous interaction within the tumour. Even though the clone's advantage is cell extrinsically driven, its passenger mutations will still become overrepresented. However, we argue that to be able to reliably spot clonal outgrowth in a cancerous genome we first require an understanding of what the null case evolution in the absence of clonal selection looks like. The absence of clonal selection is referred to as neutral evolution and by definition neutral evolution in a growing population such as a tumor is the case when all cells grow at the same rate. The definition of neutral evolution also encompasses stochastic drift. In a drifting population, all cells grow at the same average rate, but at any single point in time, any one lineage might, because of random effects, grow or shrink slightly faster than others. We note that If a lucky clone happens to drift to proportionally high frequency in a neutrally evolving asexual population such as cancer, it could appear indistinguishable from a selected clone. Mathematically modeling or perhaps more accurately put, population genetics theory provides a formal description of the frequency of subclonal mutation within a neutrally growing tumor. Under neutrally, the cumulative number of mutations at frequency F follows 1-F distribution. This means that the number of mutations at a particular frequency in the tumour will double each time the frequency halves. Or, more loosely, when a tumour is growing neutrally there will be more mutations at even lower frequencies. These mathematical results can be understood intuitively because a small number of new mutations are expected to accrue each time that the a cell divides then as the tumor population increases in size more and more mutations are accrued by the population as well and the one half f distribution is reached because precisely twice as many new mutations are expected each time that the population doubles in size to test for selection in a growing cancer, it therefore suffices to ask whether or not the distribution of mutation frequencies observed in the cancer, as measured by next generation sequencing, follows a one F distribution. In this case, where it does not, we can reject the null hypothesis of neutrality in favor of recent selection. This one F Test must be applied with caution. Limited death sequencing can blur the signal from the evolutionary dynamics, the signals of both selection and neutrality alike. It is conceivable that a particular just right combination of subclones could produce a variable allele frequency VAF distribution that masquerades as a 1/F distribution. If the selected subclones happened to reach a particular set of sizes, and the noise in the sequencing data blurred the passenger mutation VAF appropriately. Although the allele frequencies alone cannot discount this possibility, neutral evolution nevertheless provides a much more parsimonious explanation of a 1/f-like VAF distribution. Moreover, we note that the 1 slash F test provides an objective indication of the presence or absence of subclonal selection, which does not require prior knowledge of the identify of subclonal drivers. The ratio of non-synonymous and S mutations, which are likely to alter fitness by changing protein structure and functions to synonymous S mutations which are likely to be neutral at a particular locus is another popular test for selection typically the ns/s ratio is normalized by the number of possible ns and s mutations that occur at the locus of interest the normalized ratio is referred to as dn/ds and the deviations in the normalized ratio where 1 indicate positive selection more NS mutations than expected by chains, whereas deviations below one indicate negative selection, fewer NS mutations than expected by chains. Applying the NDS to cancer is complicated by the differential and evolutioning mutation rates of three base pair motifs, which can potentially skew the DNDS values but nevertheless corrected DNDS values within large cohorts of tumors has revealed evidence of positive selection cancer for particular gene sets, such as the kinases. We note that applying DNDS to detect subclonal selection within a tumor is extremely challenging because if the selection is caused by a single base pair change, for example, the common KRS-C35G, to T mutation, then the signal from this locus will be drawn out by all the other passenger mutations within the clone. And applying DNDS on a gene by gene basis in individual tumors is not possible because of the relatively low numbers of detected somatic mutations in any individual cancer. How often does selection occur? We recently looked for evidence of clonal selection across cancer types by using the one to f test described above. Remarkably, our analysis showed that in circa 30% of cancers of 14 different solid cancer types, we were unable to reject the null hypothesis of neutral evolution. In cancer mother systems, neutral drift of tumor cells is also observed. Therefore, the signature of selection appears to be somewhat rarer than we might needly have expected from a gradualistic evolutionary perspective. How often should we expect to see selection manifested in this cancer genome? First, we only expect to see clonal growth and the clone is caught in the act of growing out e.g. if the clone had already expanded to at least a minimal detectable size at the time when the tumor was sampled but it has not yet expanded to repopulate the entire tumor. The latter point is important because once a selected clone has taken over the whole tumor then all the cells within the clone are the same as one another and so the population then again evolves neutrally. The duration of time during which a clone can be caught in the act of expanding is determined by the selective advantage of the clone relative to the residual host cells in the tumor. Fitter clones will grow out more quickly. Unfortunately, empirical measurements of selective advantages of clones in growing tumors are lacking so our expectations of the likelihood of detecting a selected clone mid expansion are largely based on guesswork. Within the intestinal crypt, which has a constant population size, empirical measurements of the selective advantages of the tumor suppressor gene APC and the protoncogene KRS reveal almost 50% increases in the probability of stem cell replacement. If tumour subclones experienced similarly large selective advantages, we might expect to only rarely see partially expanded clones. Intriguingly, however, abstract mathematical modelling of mutation accumulation in growing tumours suggests that very low selective advantages of new driver mutations of the order of less than 1% lead to reasonably long times before cancer occurs. In the models, cancer is defined by a subclone having accumulated a critical driver mutation burden. In addition, our own computational modelling shows that even sizable selective advantages produce only slight changes in clone frequency in a growing population and this result is even more pronounced when a new clone is formed in an already large tumour. The these results would predict that partially expanded subclones would be commonplace if they were initiated at a sufficiently high rate. Clearly, empirical measurement of the differential fitness of tumour subclones is required. Second, the likelihood of seeing selection is also determined by the rate of which new selected clones are generated, either by clone intrinsic mutation or by the creation of a favorable microenvironment. This rate is directly related to the number of potential driver mutations that a clone can acquire. If there are many potential drivers, the new driver mutations are likely to occur frequently. Interestingly, genome sequencing studies on large cohorts, such as the cancer genome, consistently reveal a fairly short lists of recurrently mutated genes in each cancer type. For, ex- for example, in a cohort of 276 colorectal cancers, only 24 genes were mutated at a significantly greater than background frequency. These studies suggest that the number of drivers may actually be quite limited and hence dynamics may be relatively common in cancers because of the low rate of driver mutation actual. Third, our ability to detect selection is, of course, limited by the resolution of our tools for finding it. The current standard of moderate depth exome sequencing is 100 times coverage facilitating reasonably reliable detection of mutations at circa 5% frequency. This means that low selective advantages that cause only slight changes in clone frequency are largely indistinguishable from the background neutral evolution. The mini-driver hypothesis, which postulates that there are many mutations that each cause small fitness effects in cancer, would clearly be challenging to confirm or refute from moderate death sequencing data. Moreover, as a tumor grows, newly generated clones form even lower populations of the tumor cell population. So detecting them becomes even more challenging as the tumor becomes larger. Thus, the circa 5% sensitivity of sequencing provides a window to detect only those clones that form very early in a cancer's growth, or those that rapidly, e.g. within a small population of lifetime of the cancer, grow to a detectable size. Evolutionary dynamics and tumor progression. Manifest ongoing selection in cancers appears to be associated with a worse prognosis. Because across cancer types, tumors with three or more large clones have a worsened prognosis than tumors with fewer clones. Amputative subclonal driver mutations are also associated with a worse prognosis. However, neutral evolution has a potential dark side for prognosis, by virtue of its allowing huge variation to be generated and persist in a tumor. Whereas, by definition, the diversity in a neutrally evolving tumour is non-adaptive to the current microenvironment. If the microenvironment were to change through the application of the therapy, for instance, then variants within this reservoir of pre-existing variation could suddenly become adaptive. Thus, neutrally evolving tumours might be particularly prone to developing therapy resistance the relationship between neutral and selective evolution dynamics and tumor progression should be the focus of future work our recent analysis of the evolution of colorectal cancer led to put forward the big bang model of cancer growth whereby the tumor must grow as a single clone expansion wherein differential clone selection within the tumor has little influence on the subclonal composition of the tumor and instead clonal mosaicism is determined largely by the time of clone generation as the clonal composition of a big bang tumor is determined simply by which clones were generated at the beginning of cancer growth we speculated that a tumor's prognosis is similarly predominant in other words in the absence of clonal selection the phenotype of the first cancer cells should determine the cancer's behavior thereafter. Consequently, we speculate that reading these initial phenotypes in the grown cancer may be prognostic, e.g. by looking for the degree of clonal mixing as a readout of cancer migration ability, or the degree to which a clone coexists in multiple different microenvironments as a readout of plasticity. Punctuated evolution. In the evolutionary biology literature, punctuated evolution is loosely defined as an apparently abrupt change in phenotype and was originally suggested by Eldredge and Gould to explain the large morphological differences between species that appear to occur without the presence of indeterminate morphotypes in the fossil record. The original description of punctuated evolution put forward the idea that an ancestral species became subdivided into spatially isolated distinct niches in which each subpopulation independently and gradually evolved until the point when one of those subspecies, by now ghostly altered as compared with the ancestor, was able to escape the niche and expand its population significantly. Because the isolated niche was small, the intermediate forms were lost to the fossil record, and only the widespread ancestral and then the new ghostly altered populations were captured. The result was an apparent punctuated evolution of species, interspersed by long periods of time during which apparently no important evolution happened. This pattern of events was described as punctuated equilibrium. Punctuated equilibrium has frequently been conflated with saltation theory, although the two theories are distinct. The difference is that the two theories describe punctuated phenotype change and punctuated genotype change, respectively. Saltation theory suggests that the new species can be generated rapidly because of sudden large-scale mutations. In other words, the underlying genetic evolution causing the speciation event is itself punctuated. Punctuated equilibrium, on the other hand, proposes that gross phenotypic change is the consequence of gradual, although perhaps rapid, genetic evolution in an isolated population. Richard Goldschmidt described the gross mutations as hopeful monsters, striving for perfection in one big jump. However, it is more likely that most cross-genetic rearrangements will be maladaptive. It is increasingly clear that the punctuated evolution of both phenotypes and genotypes occurs during cancer development. Punctuated phenotype change is clearly seen in the development of neoplasia, typically of neoplastic plastic lesion, such as colorectal adenoma, with a grossly different phenotype to that of the normal cells, arise abruptly, without intermediate partial neoplastic forms. Although we acknowledge that one could argue that crypt hyperlepsia may sometimes be an intermediate form in the intestine, it is important to recognize that such punctuated phenotype change, normal to malignant cells, may be underpinned by gradual genotype evolution. In the example of intestinal neoplasia, it is clear that loss of the normal function of the APC gene is sufficient to generate adenomas. Loss of normal APC function can be caused by the gradual accumulation of the two mutational hits on each of the APC alleles. And it is clear that the cross changes in phenotype normal to neoplastic need to be accompanied by large-scale genetic alteration. In leukemia, intermediate clone genotypes are present at only very low frequency, potentially indicating punctuated equilibrium-like evolutionary dynamics. In follicular lymphoma, disease transformation is associated with an increased mutation burden and often also the acquisition of mutations in key driver genes, although the underlying temporal pattern of mutation accumulation remains undetermined. The genotype-phenotype map describes the relationship between genetic change and phenotype traits. APC loss in the intestine demonstrates how slight changes in genotype, for example, single-base pair genes, can cause large changes in phenotype. This is an example where mapping between the space of possible genotypes and phenotypes is not smooth. Moreover, phenotypic change may not occur until multiple independent mutations in a number of key genes have accumulated and act in tandem to cause phenotypic alteration. This is called epistasis. Epistasis can underlie punctuated equilibrium in cancer. An individual lineage may steadily acquire individual driver mutations but not clonally expand until it has the full complement of drivers necessary to enhance its fitness intriguingly in colorectal and lung cancers the majority of the driver mutations often appear to be clonal throughout the cancer perhaps implying that the growth of these cancers can be initiated only when a complete epistically interacting complement of drivers is obtained Epistasis clearly adds much complexity in the relationship between genotypes and phenotypes. Resolving the genotype-phenotype map is key to understanding evolutionary trajectories in cancer. Although given the inherently contextual definition of phenotypes and the near-infinitive space of possible genotypes, the resolution will be extremely challenging to achieve. It is increasingly clear that Goldschmidt's Hopeful Monsters punctuated changes in genotype are frequently found in cancer. Chromotriplice, chromosomes shattering and reassembly in aberrant manner, has now been reported in many different cancer types, and this solitary mutation occurs following a single catastrophic mitosis. Chromoplexy, the interleaving of different chromosomal regions into one aberrant block has been reported in prostate cancer and it's likely to occur in a single cell division. More generally, genotype doubling is a relatively common salutary mutation type observed across cancer types. And furthermore, the tolerance of genome doubling facilitates subsequent chromosomal instability. In breast cancer, sequencing of individual nuclei detects clones with dramatic copy number deviation from the diploid genome and no evidence of cells with intermediate patterns of copy number alteration. Similarly, relatively homogeneous intratumor patterns of cross deviant copy number alterations are observed in many cancer types, including colorectal and ovarian cancer and the malignant disease Barrett's osifagus, suggesting underlying saltory mutational mechanisms. How often are these helpful monsters formed? The f- monsters that we sample in cancer are the ones that have fortuously stumbled upon an adaptive genome phenotype combination. However, many saltory mutations presumably lead to altered maladapted phenotypes or phenotypes that are lethal Indeed, this is often the case for chromosomal instability. Logically, therefore, this means that for every saltatory mutation that produces an adaptive phenotype, there are probably many more saltatory mutations that produce maladaptive phenotypes. This likely abundance of maladapted monsters in cancer types or their premalignant precursors. That frequently show saltatory mutation is a testable prediction, and furthermore, the detection of maladapted monsters could prove to be a useful prognostic biomarker in paramilignant disease such as Barrett's oceophagus, in which large scale genome alteration appears to be key punctuated events in cancer formation. An important aside is the potential for punctuated evolution of the rate of single nucleotide alterations SNAs SNAs accumulate according to a relatively small number of underlying mutational processes associated with natural replication errors, defective DNA replication and repair machinery and mutagen exposures. Although the accumulation of SNAs is a clearly a gradual process, although, as noted above, individual NSNS can cause punctuated change in phenotype, we note that the abrupt switching on of a new mutational process can cause punctuated changes in the SNA mutational rate. For example, mutation of the mismatch repair machinery causes a sudden increase in a cell's point mutation rate. Conclusion, neutrality and selection and punctuation and gradualism are each two sides of the same coin. Cancer genomes show frequent evidence of both neutral evolution and clonal selection. As neutral evolution is just the evolution that happens between selection events, for example, the evolution that happens within a clone, the frequent detection of neutral evolution in cancer should come As no surprise. It is our opinion that in fact it should be more surprising if a signature of neutral evolution was never seen in cancer because this would mean that new driver mutations accrue all the time in our cells, an implication that appears to be at odds with the relatively low age dependent incidence of cancer and the small number of drivers with respect to passengers. At a molecular level, cancer unquestionably show both gradual, the steady accumulation of single nucleotide variants, and punctuated, large-scale copy number alterations, genome change. However, whether or not phenotype change is similarly punctuated depends on the relationship between the genotype and phenotype, and also on the microenvironment context. Thus, to be able to predict and manipulate the evolutionary trajectories of cancer for respective prognostic and therapeutic benefits, it is critical that we understand the genotype-phenotype map and the associated transitions from genotype-phenotype space. To achieve this, we critically need to understand exactly which phenotypes in cancer are selected and why. Genetics helps us to understand the accessibility of the space of different phenotypes, but genetics alone cannot give us the full picture of cancer evolution. Finally, a word of caution is necessary. Studies have shown that treatment frequently selects for rare subclones in a tumor, and sometimes subclones that were so rare that they went undetected in their pre-treatment samples. Thus, although the evolutionary dynamics of large tumour subclones, the focus of this review are clearly of much interest for understanding the basic biology of cancer evolution, we must ask ourselves if these dynamics directly relate to a patient's prognostics. It is our conviction that these evolutionary dynamics are critically irrelevant, because only by learning the rules of cancer evolution can we hope to effectively intervene and change the evolutionary course. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestion, review or article you would like to listen to, follow me on Twitter, pubreading, or send me an email, info.pub.reading at gmail.com. Let's connect.